Good evening, everyone. I, uh, I have to confess that um, this is uh, an interesting experience for me to be talking to a group of people and not being able to see the group of people and not being able to hear the group of people. Uh, but it is a pleasure uh, to to be able to sit down. Hi, uh, it is a pleasure to be able to sit down and uh, and discuss areas of learning and areas of Torah, particularly with uh, sincere and committed uh, people such as yourselves. I heard wonderful, wonderful things. Um, I'm uh, friendly with uh, Doug Taylor, and I don't know how many of you know Doug, uh, but uh, this is I think this is a great, great project, and uh, I'm happy to be. Uh, a part of it, uh, however briefly, uh, and uh, Ray will tell you that the time constraints are uh, weigh heavily upon me, but uh, I, I really think this is important and it's a pleasure to uh, to be able to sit down and learn with you tonight. Uh, the topic that I've been asked to discuss is the topic of chesed, and uh, particularly from the perspective or with regard to the, the perspective of B'nai Noach, of Noahides. And uh, this, the truth is that this is a, it's a vast uh, topic. And uh, Ray, I prepared the material that will take, that could take us into about two or three in the morning, but uh, I'll try to keep it down to, uh, to just under an hour. And uh, I'll tell you from the outset that I, uh, it's very difficult for me. Or I am a teacher by, you know, by, by profession and also by spirit and my soul, uh, but it is difficult to. To uh, not just physically, but it's it, from an educational point of view, it's difficult to just continually speak. And I would, I would, I would uh, greatly appreciate uh, if uh, people have comments or questions. You know, feel free to jump in uh, on the screen, and uh, I'll try to reiterate the, the question or the comment and uh, and to respond to it. Now, let's start off with, in, in terms of discussing chesed. We'll start off with a very, very general, general picture, and that is how to define the term or how to define the concept chesed. Which, I guess, the best English definition of the word chesed is probably loving kindness. Uh, although we'll soon see that maybe that's not the best or most accurate. Uh, description or definition as to the term, but let's assume for a moment that chesed means loving kindness. And if I were to, if I were to ask the bold question, and it is a bold question, it's very it's a very simplistic question, and sometimes the simplistic questions really are the the boldest. And if you approach something with the innocence of a child, that's a very often the best way to learn to divest oneself of preconceived notions and to to approach something you know, very very directly and free from any kind of prejudice, if I were to ask what is the importance or why, if it is important to practice chesed, if it is important to display loving kindness to a fellow human being, why would that be? Why is it important uh, to, to be kind to another person? The truth is that uh, many people, I think, would respond that it's, well, what do you mean? It's, it's axiomatic. That's what it means to be a human being. Uh, the, the, it's important for a human being to treat every other human being or another human being in a, in a nice way, in a kind way, in a loving way. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's just by definition, it's, it, it must be that way. I'm kind of wary of, of answers that uh, involve you know, by definition or axiomatic. And I think that um, while intuitively we may sense that it's important and it's a it's a good thing and it's a proper thing, it's uh, it bears I think some investigation and some thought. What 
what is it? Why is it important to, uh, to, to, to be kind and to practice kindness to other people? I'll also tell you from uh, my experience in terms of teaching, I teach uh, high school age uh, students. I, I believe, just observing over the past uh, couple of decades, I believe that it is the case that for many people, for many people, their practice of chesed, their practice, practice of kindness and beneficence and, and niceness to other people, very, very often, it's a little ironic, very, very often is selfish. And what I mean by that is that uh, there, there are two levels of selfishness. I, what I mean by that is many, many people are kind to others because of basically a utilitarian philosophy. Be kind to other people so that they will be kind to you. It's expressed uh, in, different, uh, in different religions or in different philosophies and ideologies in different ways. Uh, we can speak of karma. We can speak of... Um, of, uh, of, of the wheel of justice coming back to you. Um, there are many different ways to express it, but I think that many, many people are nice to other people ultimately because, well, it's important for everybody to be nice to people so that the world can function properly and, and ultimately so that people will be nice to me. And that's what I'll call uh, for now a, a somewhat selfish view of, of chesed and it's ultimately guided however deeply subconsciously by selfish motivations. There's a little bit of more sublime or profound uh, practicing of chesed. However, it is also selfish, and, and that is I practice chesed or I am kind to other people because it makes me feel good. And uh, that's a little bit more sublime. The selfishness involved in, in, in that idea is um, is, is not rooted in, well, what do I get out of it in a, in a material sense or people doing favors for me, uh, but I, I feel good and I love to feel good, so therefore uh, yeah, I practice chesed. I, I will tell you that um, for a while I, I ran a high school. I was the head of a high school. I actually founded a yeshiva high school, and I thought it was so important to, uh, to inculcate chesed within the, the program of the school that it's not simply about book learning or academics or, or study of Torah and wisdom alone, but it's important also to, to do, to practice chesed, so that every week, once a week, for a few hours as part of the school day, the teachers would go with the students to various chesed activities. My particular activity was to go with, uh, we had a rotation, the boys Students went to different uh, different locations. One group visited a, a nursing home, visited the patients, and would provide them with food and some and some music. Uh, and it was, it was it was just a lovely experience. My particular activity was to go with a group of students to a cemetery, and we would go every week. We, had, we worked this out with the office in the cemetery, and we would go to a section of the cemetery where there were no living relatives anymore of the people who were buried there. So there was no one, nobody paying for perpetual care for the graves and it was just overrun, overrun with ivy and weeds and if there was no one paying for perpetual care it just it became, it was, it was just terrible. And what I would do with the boys, uh, we, would, uh, we would take um, rakes and shovels and we'd bag leaves and, and clean, clean, off, clean the grave sites and we'd have a whole rotation within the cemetery. And the reason I'm telling you the story is that I would come back from that activity. We always did this on Friday mornings. I would come back on Friday afternoon with the students, and I would feel great. And 
wow, I, look what I did, and, 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 and I, I felt fantastic about it. And it occurred to me after a couple of years of doing this that uh, it's, it's wonderful to feel good about it. I started to question myself, was my motivation in, in doing this kindness the positive feeling that came at the end, or, or was there something deeper, or should there be something deeper? And so I'm going to start off tonight by positing the idea that while many people are motivated to act in terms of chesed by what I call these selfish reasons, and uh, it's better to, to do this and be selfish than to not practice chesed at all, but while people are motivated either because they ultimately would love to be treated kindly by others, uh, you know, what comes around goes around, or what goes around comes around, um, the more selfish reason or the less selfish reason, the more sublime reason of feeling good about what you're doing, perhaps there is something deeper uh, behind chesed. And if we could understand what's deeper behind chesed, then perhaps we could understand the role or the place of chesed uh, and on a worldwide basis, and that is particularly with regard to, uh, to Noahites, to B'nai Noah. So in order to do that, I'm going to try to talk about three things. Uh, uh, this is the teacher and me uh, speaking to you now. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of an outline as to what I hope to accomplish tonight. I, I want to break this down into really into three components. I'd like to first define maybe a, a higher ideal of what is chesed. Uh, that'll be the first section of, of what I'd like to talk about. And then the second section uh, is I'd like to focus on what is the particular role of chesed in the world of Noachides, of B'nai Noach. And then the third section is um, to bring the theory and the ideology uh, into the world of practice, and that is to discuss in particular, uh, practically speaking, what does it mean, once we understand the ideology, hopefully, what does it mean to practice chesed on a very tangible and real basis. Those are my three sections, and as I said, I hope we'll finish before 3 o'clock in the morning. All right, let me just do a check here. Is everybody with me, and uh, any questions or comments so far? Okay, great. Wonderful. Okay, ready to learn. Good. Okay. So I'm going to start off with something that's a, um, a, a an interesting place to start, um, as um, as uh, I think Maria in the Sound of Music said in one of her songs. Let's start at the very beginning. What what really is the term, what does the term chesed mean? And for that, I'm going to um, introduce to you uh, a great sage in an area that doesn't look like it's really about chesed, but hopefully we'll soon see that uh, it is. Maimonides, uh, the great the Jewish philosopher known uh, by the Hebrew acronym as Rambam, that stands for Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon, the Rambam was probably the the, the pinnacle of, uh, of a pinnacle representative of a Jewish philosopher and halachist, a legalist, uh, who lived uh, from 1138 to 1204, wrote uh, uh, just a monumental work on Jewish law and on Jewish philosophy. And uh, in his legal code, which is known as the Mishneh Torah, uh, he, um, he discusses in the in the second section, he discusses uh, the laws of what he calls hilchos deos, the laws of character traits. And the Rambam says something that's really really fascinating. He says that human beings 
have uh, a, a whole panoply of different emotions, and the emotions have ranges and extremes. So, for example, let, dealing with the emotion, let's say, of anger, on the one hand, one extreme of what it would mean to be angry is a person who flies off the handle at uh, almost no provocation and uh, gets gets angry at the slightest little thing. That's one extreme. The other extreme is somebody who doesn't get angry at anything and and has no almost doesn't have a pulse. Somebody that that doesn't get upset even even by things that uh, really philosophically ought to make him upset. That's a, that's another extreme. And the Rambam Maimonides points out that the ideal is what he what he calls or what he what has come to be known as the golden mean. The golden mean is a concept that Aristotle, the philosopher, had discussed earlier. And the idea of, of the golden mean is that a human being ought to pursue the middle path. That is to say, one should not, let's say with regard to anger, one should not fly off the handle at the slightest provocation. That's very, very bad. On the other hand, a person should stand up for that which is right, and when things are, when there are terrible, terrible injustices, a person ought to feel indignation at, uh, not necessarily personal indigna indignation, but a person ought to feel indignation at, uh, at, at, at things which are, which are horrible, which are horrific from a philosophical point of view. You ought to take that middle path. And Maimonides says that that person, the person who takes the middle path, is known as the Chacham. Chacham in Hebrew means the wise man. And, and he points out that is the path of wisdom, is the middle road, the golden mean. That's the path of wisdom. And then he says something which is really strange. It looks strange anyway. He says that a person who upon uh, reaching the middle road, the level of Chacham, the level of the wise person, a person who sort of bends himself in a, very, in, a, in a careful way, goes a little bit towards one extreme, a little bit towards another extreme, as is appropriate and as is necessary, is called a Chassid. So the Chassid means a righteous person. And the Hebrew word Chassid is the same root, is the same word as the word chesed. They are grammatically, etymologically, linguistically not only related, they are it's simply a, a, a different declination of the same word. So a person who who sort of goes a little bit this way or a little bit that way depending upon the particular emotion, so he's not anymore in the middle but he's leaning appropriately in, the, in one direction for this emotion, in, in another direction for that emotion, that is a chassid, and the Rambam defines what that means. The, the, the chassid is what he says, lifnim, and I'll just tell you the Hebrew, lifnim meshurat hadin, which means to say he's going beyond the letter of the law. The letter of the law demands wisdom. A person who goes the extra mile, goes beyond the letter of the law, and he means that in a positive way, in a positive sense. A person who goes beyond the letter of the law is a chassid. A chassid, a person who practices chesed. Which is interesting, because that gives us a little bit of insight as to what the, the proper definition, the appropriate definition of chesed is. Apparently, chesed means going beyond the letter of the law.
But before we get into that, I have a question for you, and I'm not asking it rhetorically, so please you know, chime in. My question is as follows. If the, chas- if the chacham, if the wise man, is the basic level of the law, and the chassid is the going beyond the letter of the law, he's going, he's going more, he's, going, he's, he's taking an extra step, uh, it's, it's a sort of like extra credit, uh, and that's, that's even a higher level than the wise man, than the wise person, so if that's the case, then why is it that the that that Maimonides insists that you go to the middle and then turn go to the middle first, be wise, go to the middle first, and then turn to this extreme a little bit or that extreme a little bit to to be a chassid, to be a to be righteous or to go beyond the letter of the law, if ultimately my goal the goal is if you want to to, to go beyond the letter of the law, you want to reach this extra credit level, if you want to deviate from the middle a little bit, so then why go through this path of going first to the middle and then turning to the right or turning to the left? Why don't you go straight to the right or to the left to whatever point it is that's appropriate? Why must you go to the middle path first? That's my question. And I said it's not rhetorical, so feel free to jump in. Okay, Debbie. De- Debbie says to keep yourself centered, and Tom and Karen for balance. And I, I, I guess that's the same type of answer. And uh, Ray is so that you know where you started. And it looks like Alan and Eileen are coming in a second. Okay, and because you need both pairs. Okay, I think what all of you said is, uh, is true. Um, to keep you balanced and centered. I, I think that's uh, I think that's very very real. I just let me just elaborate on that on, on on these ideas. There's a common thread to I think to what you all you all mentioned, uh, but let me elaborate a little bit on that. And I, I think that the lesson over here is the following: We're talking about emotions over here. We're talking about anger. We're talking about greed. We're talking about love. We're talking about you know the whole array of human of human emotions. And I believe that what Maimonides is pointing out is as follows. And maybe this is um, what Debbie means when she says to keep yourself centered and what Tom and Karen mean when they talk about balance. Uh, and that is as follows. When we talk about human emotions, which are very, very precarious, they're very, they're very, very they, they can become very slippery slopes, and um, the passions that a human being feels um, can, can, can cause a person to, 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 to reach great heights, but they can also cause a person to reach great depths. They have to be guided. I believe this is what the Maimonides is suggesting, is suggesting. They have to be guided by reason. And that is to say that when making a decision about investing in one's emotional life, the anchor, there has to be an anchor, and the anchor has to be the anchor of reason. So the middle path, which is a path of non-extremes, the centered, what, what you know, what you refer to as the centered path or the balanced path, is uh, is the starting point. Once a person is balanced and centered, then he or she will be able to make appropriate, proper decisions about which way to turn. Without that 
balance, without the balance of wisdom, without the approach of you know coming to coming to dealing with a person's feelings, without the anchor of wisdom, if a person were to just go straight to the point that he or she, you know, I figure, okay, I have to turn to the right a little bit. Let me just go straight there. Without that balance and without that wisdom, then it is a dangerous, it is a dangerous slope. And that's why I believe Maimonides insists that we start out in the center and then proceed from there. So Ray Point is asking, you know, is that for objectivity? I think that's exactly a great one-word summary of this idea that a person needs objectivity when dealing with emotions so there's great room for subjectivity but by definition the emotions are very very subjective and so the emotions which are which 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 are wonderful a wonderful part of the human experience have to be balanced or tempered I would say by objectivity that's that's raise an excellent uh, way of uh, summarizing it and therefore Maimonides insists that it has to really be start from the center, the center point or the center piece of wisdom. And so that's why it is impossible really, what Maimonides is suggesting is impossible for a person to be a chassid. That is to say, it is impossible for a person to practice chesed, and the word chassid, as I said before, chesed and chassid are related to each other. We'll explore that next. But it's impossible really for a person to practice true chesed unless it comes from a point of wisdom, unless it comes from a point of wisdom, which means to say, and this is, I'm going to make a little bit of a bold statement, which means to say that if a person sees uh, somebody who is uh, a homeless person or somebody who, who really desperately needs help and your heart goes out to the person and with a great desire to help, so that's a, that's a great thing, but wait, stop for a second and make sure that the chesed, the, the, the emotion, the feeling, and you're going to act on the feeling, is rooted and anchored and guided by reason, by wisdom. And that's why, that's why if one were to take a look uh, throughout the Bible, throughout Tanakh, the, the, the written Bible, you will find the phrase chesed ve'emet which literally means loving kindness and truth. That pair comes together in, in the Bible no fewer than 23 times. 23 times throughout the, the Bible, and I'll give you some sources, um, but the, the idea being chesed, loving kindness and truth, because loving kindness really must be guided by a sensitivity for truth, which is really uh, a, a person's sense of reason and wisdom. Uh, so you see, for example, in Genesis chapter 24, verse 49, uh, then you have uh, Genesis four, chapter 47, verse 29, um, uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, and so on. There are, there are 23 um, references in uh, the Bible of this phrase, chesed ve'emet, which again is loving kindness paired and coupled with a sense of truth. So, if the, if we, the lesson that we glean from Maimonides is the idea 
that chesed is not simply what we would commonly refer to as the positive emotions of mercy and generosity and kindness, and those certainly are positive emotions, but they have to be under the rubric, uh, guided by the rubric of wisdom, and that's a, that's a very, very important, uh, important point, and we'll, we'll, we'll see that in a, in a couple of minutes. Having said this so far, uh, if, if, I were, if we were to ask now, let's, let's take the next step and say, okay, so loving kindness, chesed, must be guided by, by, by reason, by wisdom, then, okay, what's the point? What, what's the objective? What's the, what's the goal? Uh, you know, what's, the, what's the idea behind practicing loving kindness as is guided by reason? What's the point? And uh, I'm going to make a claim now that there are actually two, two goals, two uh, dual goal, two different two goals in practicing loving kindness under the rubric again under the rubric of, of uh, wisdom. The first, interestingly, the first has to do with the person who practices the chesed, and but here it's not a selfish goal, and I'll explain to you what I mean in a second. Um, the I'm going to make the claim now that one of the the chief purposes of one human being practicing loving kindness to another human being is exactly the opposite of selfishness, and that is, it's for the person's moral, the, the, the practicers, the practitioners' moral perfection, that is, that the person ought to focus away from the self and to, to take his energy, to draw his energy away from him or herself and focus on others for the purpose of diminishing one's own self, and I, I don't mean belittling one's own self, I mean diminishing the, uh, the, the, the sense of self-importance that, that one has, and rather to focus on the world of the external as opposed to focusing so much on the world of the internal. I'll explain to you what I mean by that. The, uh, we all, we all by definition, well, I was going to say by definition, but I cautioned uh, in the very beginning you know, <laughs> not to do that, so I'm not going to fall into, into my own trap. Um, we, we all live in our own internal worlds. Uh, that is to say that my experience of the world is I, I, I gather in data, I see things, I, I feel things, I smell things, I hear things, uh, and I filter it all in my own mind, my own imagination, my own set of feelings, and so too for all of you and for, for all of us on this planet. Uh, we, we, we kind of live in our own little worlds. And one of the ideas of chesed is to make one cognizant uh, of the fact that um, it, it's, not, it's not our own little worlds. That there, there's an external world out there of which each of us is a part, of which each of us is a is a section, is a uh, you know is a uh, a, a fraction. And uh, I used to uh, joke around with the students sometimes, and say to them that um, it's an it's an interesting thing that uh, the world in, in the world of of antiquity, many many people believed that uh, the universe was geocentric that uh, the Earth was the center of the universe. And then along came C Copernicus and Galileo and uh, showed and demonstrate, demonstrated that the world is really heliocentric. And uh, it's, uh, the Sun was the center, and the Earth revolves, rotates, revolves around, the, around the Sun. 
And then Einstein came along later on and uh, showed that, well, it's not really geocentric and it's not really heliocentric, but there's relativity and there is no center you know, in reality. And uh, it's all great. It's all wonderful. It's the development of science is a fascinating uh, thing. But unfortunately, and this is what I would joke around with my students, not such a joke, unfortunately, man has never been able to free himself of the real theory that human beings have, that the universe is, it's not heliocentric, it's not geocentric, but it's really egocentric. And, um, and the idea of chesed, the idea of practicing chesed, is, um, is, is to get the center away from the self. It's not to... Not to belittle, I want to stress this point, it's not to belittle one's self, but it's to recognize a proper and appropriate perspective. And so when someone is, uh, confronts, and I don't mean that in a negative way, when, when someone comes upon another human being and uh, the other person needs help and you go out of your way to help that other person, it's, it's, a, it's a recognition. It's not, it's not just all about me. And that lesson is, is, is a primary, primary lesson about uh, what chesed is all about. It's not, it's not just about me. It's what, it's what the, uh, the, uh, the sages, the, the Jewish commentaries, the rabbis uh, comment on the, uh, on the idea that there's a statement in the Talmud, actually in the Mishnah, that uh, it's in, in the ethics of the fathers. And uh, it's at the very, very beginning of Ethics of the Fathers, which is a tractate of a section of Mishnah in the Talmud. And, um, and uh, the, the, the Mishnah states that uh, the world subsists on three things. On the study of Torah, on, on Avodah. Avodah is, is worship or service. And the last one is Chesed. And... Um, and the commentaries have different approaches. The sages have different approaches as to what these mean. I'll go back to Maimonides. Maimonides says that Torah refers to the development of the intellect, the study of Torah, intellectual perfection. Avodah means the performance of, of mitzvot, the performance of various commandments and, and, and worship of God. And for chesed, Maimonides interestingly says, and that is that refers to moral perfection, uh, as a as a uh, uh, complement of intellectual perfection. Moral perfection, person learns to have an appropriate uh, view of himself or herself, and uh, and and uh, control of his or her passions and emotions, etc. And so that's that's how he characterizes Chesed. And the idea, again, the idea being that Chesed. Uh, puts a person's perspective in, into the into the right perspective, uh, and I think that Jason and Gwen, I think that what you, you what you wrote is uh, very appropriate there. You know that it's not the will to receive for the self, but to give, and I think that that's you know that's very true. That the person, it's not a denial of self, but it's the recognition of, you know, my my perspective, a realistic perspective about myself, uh, in the in the chain and in the in the uh, in the cosmos, uh, I think that's really a key component behind Chesed. I think there is another a related idea, and that's the second component to, to, to Chesed. Is another related idea, and that is that when a person is able to step outside of him or herself and view things not from his his or her own subjective you know perspective. So, whose perspective do you view do you view things from? And I believe that the answer to that question is that chesed 
teaches a person or enables a person to view to view him or herself or to view the world in a certain sense from God's perspective. That is to say as follows. From my own selfish limited perspective, so I'm number one and everyone else is number two at best. <laughs> Sometimes it's number uh, a million and two or a billion and two, but uh, I'm, you know, looking out for number one. It's a very common, uh, very common expression. The number one, of course, is referring to the self. That's from one's own perspective. I guess that's a natural thing. Uh, but there is a different perspective, a higher perspective, a greater perspective, and that is to look at things from God's perspective. And from God's perspective, to the degree that a human being is, is able to do this, from God's perspective, so it's not I, me, and everybody else. From God's perspective, there, there is this person and that person and that person and that person. And instead of viewing one's self as an I, a me, one begins to view oneself as an it. And I don't mean that impersonally. In other words, it's, there's, there's from God's perspective, so there's all of us. There, there, there are all of us. And if you can step outside of yourself and say, you know what, from, from the perspective of the Creator, so there's, you know, it's, yeah, okay, there's, there's me, but there's also you, and there's also you, and you, and you, and you. And if, you, if, if one's able to view oneself, you know, in that realm, so you see yourself as another person. Of course, we all have our own individual identities and personalities and strengths and weaknesses. But just like I have my strengths and weaknesses, you have your strengths and weaknesses, etc. And everybody has value and everybody has, has significance. And in that sense, chesed enables sort of going out of one's way and treating someone else with kindness it enables a person to uh, to view himself or herself as well as others from the godly perspective as opposed to from the the egoistic from the the self perspective and so those two those two components the idea of a person viewing uh, viewing others as 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 equal in a certain sense, you know, to to oneself from from the the idea of the the godly perspective and the idea of getting out of the the, the self, out of this the, the self-centered universe, is a very key component, very key component in what Chesed is. Okay, let me stop here for a second and uh, do a little check. Are we are we all on board? And any questions or comments? Please jump in. Okay, so Debbie says that um, that nothing that has been created has no worth, and, and that's true. Every 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 creation is a a um, a result in a certain sense, a result of the creator, and uh, that's very true. And, and when when one looks at something, anything in the creation, uh, one ought to see, or or one ought to be led to ideas about the wisdom of the creator. I think that is very very true. Okay. Uh, okay, and Ray. Okay, wonderful. It's, uh, thanks for the, <laughs> the positive feedback. Um, all right. 
if we take this idea, so let me just review what we did so far. We, we, we started off by looking at Maimonides, and we saw that the idea of chesed is going beyond the letter of the law. And, um, and it's going beyond, but it's, but it's going beyond the letter of the law from a perspective of wisdom. And uh, what, it, what does it mean to have loving kindness from a perspective of wisdom? That is the drawing out of the framework of the self and uh, trying to approach a, an appreciation and a recognition of the godly framework with regard to, uh, to humanity, to, uh, to others. Okay, uh, Alan and Eileen uh, mentioned that there are two parts, uh, two parts of the self do chesed in fear of God, to do, uh, to do chesed to please Hashem for His chesed to you. I have to tell you, Alan and Eileen, uh, that um, I, I'll talk about the first part a little bit, and I just want to sort of gently guide you away from the second part of the comment, um, and that is that the idea of doing chesed to please God uh, for God to do chesed to you, um, we should investigate that. And maybe tonight's not the forum, um, but the idea of, of, of keeping a, an appropriate uh, lifestyle, whether it's uh, the seven laws, the Noachite laws for B'nai Noach, or the, all of the Torah laws for, for B'nai Yisrael, is not to please God, because God is not improved or, be, or benefited from our adherence to, to the commandments. The, the, the mitzvahs are not for God. They're really for us. Um, it, is, it is out of the, so to speak, kindness of the Creator. And I, use, I said so to speak because, and maybe this is a whole other, other, other discussion, a whole other lecture, uh, the idea that, uh, that God possesses feelings is a, a dangerous idea because feelings, emotions are, are a, a human characteristic. And so to say that, um, or let me put it this way, the physical characteristic, to say that God is pleased by our actions is, and the Torah does speak in these terms, but it's a metaphor. Um, and ultimately, you know, the idea of doing chesed so that God does chesed for you really harkens back to the perspective, the, f the first perspective that I started, at, started out you know, mentioning, that I think we should try to, you know, to transcend, to go beyond, that it's not really about getting something in return. It's, on the contrary, it's really about focusing outward, not focusing inward. I, I don't know if that came out clear. Please, um, Alan and Eileen in particular, if you could let me know if, 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 uh, if I'm being clear about that. Okay, Ray points out, and it's true that, that uh, chesed is for the benefit of, of mankind. Uh, it's for our own benefit, and I think that's, you know, that's the point that I'm you know, trying to, exp to, to express. But it's not for our benefit because God will then take notice of us and do good for us. It, it's intrinsically. It's uh, that uh, when a person is able to focus away from him or herself, uh, it's, uh, that is a more human life. How are we doing, Alan and Eileen?
Right, so point, Alan and I are pointing out that um, your own feeling of why one does it, which is a natural tendency, that, uh, that's, I understand that, that's true. But that's why I started off you know, by saying that, that um, very often people view chesed as being, it's an axiomatic thing, of course, you know, and, and, and it makes me feel good, and, and, and I want to do chesed because I, I'd like to be treated that way by others as well, and that is, that is a level, you know, but I, my goal is to see if we can go just you know beyond that to uh, from from a perspective of of um, uh, sort of a philosophical perspective uh, you know perspective of the idea of moral perfection okay if we can go from here to the sort of the next section I said so how does this fit into the life of a, of B'nai Noach once if once one understands and I know there's a lot to think about over here we're you know we're we're, we're we're biting off, you know, some uh, some big chunks of ideas, uh, to use a very poor metaphor. Um, but uh, but if once once we and once we think about and if we do come to the conclusion that the idea of chesed is really uh, about uh, wisdom guiding a person's perspective, so where does this fit into the life of uh, of Noahides? And it's interesting if one were to take a look at the uh, particularly the book of Genesis in the Torah. So you see that the the term chesed and the as well as a description of the idea of loving kindness uh, is described with regard to Abraham and Lot and Eliezer, the servant of of Abraham, and all the people that I mentioned uh, up until now are are not Jews, uh, and maybe this is a little shocking, but Abraham was not a Jew; he was a Hebrew. Um, and the B'nai Yisrael, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, didn't come into existence until Sinai. Uh, so that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, again, were Hebrews, uh, and they were the progenitors, the forefathers of B'nai Yisrael, of, of, uh, of the Jewish people. But their own personal status, they were, they were obligated in seven, mitz- seven commandments, seven mitzvahs, not 613. Uh, they were, technically speaking, B'nai Noach. There are some Jewish comet, Jewish sages, medieval sages, um, actually even before the medieval sages, some uh, sages in the Talmud as well, who, who discuss the idea that perhaps uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, once once Abraham received the covenant of circumcision, that they left the status of Noahides, uh, but did not yet enter into the status of Israelites. That again, that didn't happen until Sinai. They were sort of in a mid, like sort of a limbo type of status. But the predominant view really is that uh, there were no Israelites at all until Sinai, and that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and as well as certainly Lot and uh, Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, and and uh, most of the other characters that we see, and I, when I say characters, most of the other names, most of the other, the other people who, whose lives are portrayed in, uh, in Genesis are Noahides. And the concept of chesed is, uh, is, 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 is very real in, in described in the Torah in their lives. So where does chesed fit into the life of a, of a Noahide? And so here I have to point out something that's really, really critical, crucial, uh, critical for Noahides and critical for Jews, and that is as follows: there's a difference between a commandment or a prohibition, on the one hand, versus an institution, on the other hand. I'll tell you what I mean. 
we all know, but I'll review it anyway, we all know that uh, there are seven, seven commandments, seven mitzvahs for Noahides. They are, not in any particular order, they are, do, don't eat the limb of a, li a living animal, uh, don't blaspheme, don't curse God, uh, don't steal. Uh, the commandment to set up a, a system of courts, courts of justice, uh, and then uh, do not uh, commit um, idolatry, do not violate sexual laws, adultery, incest, etc., and do not commit murder. Those are the seven laws. Interestingly, interestingly, you, one finds that when Abraham is going to send his servant out to seek a wife for Isaac, for Abraham's son Isaac, he, uh, he brings the servant into his tent and he says, I want you to swear to me that he gives him a set of instructions, you know, to uh, what to follow in, in going to seek a wife for Isaac. Remember now, Abraham and the, the servant, uh, um, Eliezer, and, and his servant are Noahides. And uh, he gives him an oath, he, he makes him swear. Now, let's just stop there for a second and say, gee, swearing an oath, telling the truth, that's not one of the seven Noahide laws. What was the binding value of that oath if it's, re if it's not part of the seven laws of Noah? It's, it's the, the seven laws of Noah don't contain anything about oaths. About Oaths are not mentioned. It's, it's not the uh, adherence to one's word is not one of the seven mitzvahs, not one of the seven Noahide laws. So what was the value of that oath in the first place? The answer, I believe, is as I started to say, you know, in this in this section of our discussion, there's a difference between a, a technical commandment or prohibition on the one hand versus an institution. And, and let me let me elaborate. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. The the mitzvos, the seven mitzvos, or the 613 mitzvos for 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 Jews, for Israelites. Let's look at them, let's view them as a skeleton. The skeleton is the basis of the body. That is to say that from the structure of the skeleton one can infer, one can derive uh, values and ideas. And the reason that the, the oath of the servant of Abraham, the reason that that was binding is because, yes, it's true, Adherence to oaths is not one of the seven Noahide laws. That's correct. However, if one studies the seven Noahide laws, one can derive uh, lessons, ide an ideology, and a philosophy of life about truth, about one's relationship to people, one's relationship to God, etc. And it is from, from that fleshed out body that, that emerges from the skeleton that it's from that fleshed out body that the idea of adherence uh, to, to truth and, and, and to one's word and to oaths that's where it comes from and so while t again technically uh, uh, oaths is not one of the uh, the category of oaths is not one of the seven Noahide laws but adherence to truth is a value that emanates from the Noahide laws that being said, that being said, let's apply it to our case right now. Practicing chesed, practicing loving kindness for another human being, 
is not, technically speaking, one of the seven Nalachide laws. That is to say, that technically speaking, if one were one wanted to be a good practicing Nalachide, so I I make sure that the that the meat that I eat uh, that I get from the supermarket is not dismembered before the animal is completely dead, is you know before the animal is completely either slaughtered or killed or whatever the method is. And by the way, that's not a simple thing. You should know. Um, Doug once uh, asked me he once he once asked me about this. That uh, I'm just mentioning this as an aside. Uh, that some of the uh, meatpacking houses. Uh, for regular, you know, for A and P or Safe Safeway or uh, you know the Piggly Wiggly or who you know the different. Uh, I know people m- may be uh, uh, online here from different communities. You know, they, they get their meat from from uh, meat packing houses where it could be that they dismember the animal while it's still having uh, movement, some movement from you know from uh, nerve reactions even after technically it's dead, and that violates the idea of. Um, of eating a limb from a from a living animal, because a living animal, as long as the animal is still moving, even if it's twitching around or whatever, technically speaking, from a halachic point of view, it's, it's still viewed as really being alive in a certain sense, and that's a that's an issue really to look into. Okay, I, I apologize if I complicated anybody's life just now, but uh, it is something to be aware of. Uh, so I'm not eating the limb from a from a living uh, a living animal. I'm not stealing anything. I'm not uh, I'm not murdering anybody. I'm not blaspheming God. Uh, but I don't bother to help anybody out. So what am I doing wrong? And the answer is, well, you're not doing anything wrong from a technical point of view. You're, you're keeping to the seven laws from a technical sense. But the laws are not just about a technical sense. The laws, as I, as I say before, are a skeleton which is fleshed out into a lifestyle, into an ideology. And in the, in the lifestyle, in the ideology, uh, of of a Noahide lifestyle that is a recognition of the source of truth, the source of reality, uh, insofar as the idea of not blaspheming God, and also insofar as the idea of setting up courts of justice, the justice courts which are a a, a reflection of uh, on this earth of of the divine wisdom, as well as uh, not committing theft. Uh, and not not violating the sexual laws, uh, give one a perspective about how to relate to other human beings. From that skeleton, the fleshed out skeleton, the body that's fleshed out from that skeleton, emerges a certain ideology. And that ideology certainly not only includes, but suggests and, 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 uh, and pushes a person towards the idea of chesed. Again, chesed meaning the getting away from the self-centeredness and looking at all other people, all the human beings, as godly creations, and looking at oneself as simply as merely as sort of a link in that in that chain. Uh, so Chesed for a Noachide clearly emerges. Uh, it is it is implied <laughs> explicitly. I know that's a little bit of an oxymoron, but it's implied explicitly from the structure of the uh, of the seven Noahide laws. Okay, if that's true, so then we have the idea that uh, a good Noahide uh, takes the thinks into the the idea, and the, the word that verb thinks is very important. 
because again you see we see that it's not simply about technical fulfillment of rules this isn't a game of monopoly or scrabble or whatever it's 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 a divine plan for human existence and when a person takes those thinks into those rules so again chesed emerges and it's particularly appropriate that chesed emerges because the whole the definition that we've been working with with regard to chesed is the idea of um, of a person using his reason, the anchor of wisdom, to dictate, you know, wh- how his or her emotions will be spent, so to speak. It's a reason-based feeling um, about about others, about others, you know, as opposed to uh, the self-centered focus. So that that emerges from the the, the ideology that is implicit in the uh, in the structure of the seven Noahide laws. If we understand that, then we can turn to the last section of you know what I wanted to do, and that is the practical. So how does this express itself practically for a for a for a Noahide, for a Ben Noah? But before I do that, and I see we have just a, just a few minutes left, but before we do that, let me again stop and say ask if there are any questions or comments. Okay, Russell. Russell asks if Chesed is a product of the personal or spiritual elevation associated with being obedient to Torah. Well, I'm not sure what you mean by the question, and I, 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 I'm certainly not sure what you mean by the word spiritual. I tell my students it's a sort of a running joke in in my class that uh, I I don't let the students use the word spiritual because I'm not exactly sure what it means. (laughs) Uh, Or let me say it this way, it means different things to different people. Um, So if you mean by the question, uh, is it the result of a person uh, being a person following the the, the commandments of the Torah, well Sort of. Uh, what I mean by that is that the the idea behind the 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 push, uh, the ideology behind the ideas of Torah and Torah here again we're talking about the Noahide society. So Torah for Noahides means the seven commandments, the seven mitzvos. Um, there is a, there's an ideology that emerges from an understanding of those seven commandments, and that. Imply, that implies a p- part of what's what's the implication that's included in that is uh, is is a push towards chesed towards a recognition of others and not a focus on the self. Just like, for example, it also implies an adherence to truth, as you know, as I mentioned before about the the oaths and the idea of Abraham and his servant Eliezer, uh, the 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 importance of the adherence to truth. So, in that sense, I think the answer to your question, Russell, is yes. Okay, the, just as the last, you know, the last uh, section over here. Um, so, practically, how does? Okay, Russell, thank you. <laughs> um, how does that? How does that translate into practical action uh, for for Noahides? Well. Um, the, it, it translates into a, n- a number of different things. There's the concept of charity, and I, I want to stress to you, and this again perhaps is a whole different uh, um, lesson, a whole different lecture uh, or discussion. The charity is not really about the money. Charity is really about 
the person's psychological state. And I'll tell you a very, very interesting uh, law that's mentioned in the Talmud. And, and that is as follows. And, and, and people look at this and, and they very often have a little bit of a difficult time understanding this. But upon thought, I think it's, uh, it, it reflects something very, very deep. And that is as follows. If, if you, we'll take as, as an example, if you, uh, if you earn $100,000 a year and are accustomed to living $100,000 a year lifestyle, whatever that means in, in your own community, and you're very comfortable with that and everything's fine. And you have a friend who, uh, who earns $500,000 a year and he's used to a certain type of lifestyle. And that friend suffers a terrible financial setback. And now, instead of earning $500,000 a year, he now is down to $125,000 a year. And because of that, he can't maintain his mortgage, and he has to move to a different house, and 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 he and he can't maintain his car payments for the for the Jaguar, and uh, you know, uh, no more pool and whatever else. Uh, he's got to live in a you know a far more modest means. The Talmud says that if you encounter such a person, so you who's you know you have your hundred thousand dollar income. It is a mitzvah. It is a it's a commandment, and it's a it's a great deed. To uh, help that person, to, to help support that person, to uh, you know, by, by by giving him money. That's an interesting thing. It sounds ludicrous. I mean, the person's still making more than you are. He he he's making 125,000. You're making 100,000. And it sounds like it looks like it's crazy. But the but the truth is, I think that the lesson behind it is that tzedakah, charity, is not about the money. It's about the person's feeling of self-worth. It's about the person's you know, this person suffered a terrible financial setback relative to what he was used to, and he had to move. And you know, it's uh, and, and and from a personal, from his personal world view, things are horrible. And so it's it's not about the money; it's about giving a person the strength and you know the uh, the um, the word in Hebrew is chizuk. It, it's it literally, I guess, I mean, yeah, it means strength. You know, to to go on. And when people feel psychologically down or depressed, um, it's, it can be very, very debilitating. And so the idea of charity is not, again, it's not about the money. It's about feeling, feeling self-worth, not egotistical self-worth, feeling a healthy sense of self to be able to, to proceed and to, and to move on in a positive way in, in life. That's why uh, the Talmud says that the highest form of charity is helping to set a person up in business, helping him to be independent, because that feeling of independence is is ultimately, you know, the uh, what it's about to, to help the person uh, function in a healthy way in life. And uh, there are guidelines to that in terms of priorities. If, so, for example, the Talmud speaks about the idea, and again, this would be applicable to Noahites as well as to Israelites as well as to Jews. That, for example, the the, the poor people or the needy in your own community take precedence over anybody else. So if, if you have needy in your own community, that's the first address of uh, attention. Um, someone who, who, is, uh, who is wise and someone who helps other people and, and someone, you know, someone who plays a pivotal role in the community in terms of helping other people, if he suffers a setback and needs help, again, whether it's financial or otherwise, 
and then, and then somebody else who's you know not on not on that level. So the, the the person who the person who's the public figure in the sense that he helps other people, he teaches other people, he's uh, you know a beacon of of wisdom. That person should you know should should be addressed first. But it's it's an interesting thing. You know the the old expression "charity begins at home" is a very very Talmudic concept. Uh, the you know the idea is that uh, one ought to uh, take care of the people in in, in your own sphere because you know about them and and if you're not going to take care of them then who will you know so it's uh, th there are there are priorities with regard to that but if, of course if all things are equal uh, you know it's important to help out uh, different people you know, many different people as much as as much as one can uh, but isn't only about charity it's also about kindness in visiting the sick. Um, it's about uh, it's about helping people at times of of terrible grief, mourning, you know, in, in the face of death, uh, sickness. It's about helping people. It's about simple things. It's about helping. It's about helping somebody to you know to to learn how to ride a bicycle. It's about it's about helping people you know get on, move on in life, so that they can be to quote the United States Army, all that they can be. Um, it's helping people. You know, realize a godly perspective, and a godly perspective is something that relates equally to all human beings. Every human being is created in the image of God. That's a metaphysical concept, of course, not a physical one. But that's really what Chesed is all about. It's about you know entering into that godly perspective. I know I ran a little bit over time. But I just have one last word to to, to say about this tonight, and that is that in the prayer service. That uh, that the Israelites recite uh, three times a day. We speak about God as the bestower of good kindness. And the question has bothered the comment the commentaries. You know, it's uh, what is good? What, what's bad kindness? Well, you know. And the answer that often is given is that very often we look at, at you know at kindness and we think from a very limited perspective. God's kindness is ultimately ultimately is what's good for us. And it's important, again, using the idea of wisdom to try to help a person out, um, not by giving the person simply what they want, you know, but really giving the person what they need or what's best. And that requires wisdom and sensitivity. And uh, I know it's a terrible thing to end off on because that itself requires a lot of thought and maybe discussion. Uh, but I hope tonight that, that uh, I've had the chance to, gi to give you an overview um, of what chesed is and what it means, or why it's important, why it's integral to uh, the to a Noahide lifestyle, and some of the practicality. Perhaps we touched just uh, very, very briefly on some of the practicality of you know what that means. So I guess before I sign off, and I apologize for running a little bit over time, but if there are any questions or comments, that'd be great. Russell, thank you for your kind wishes. Um, okay, great. Thank you all. I really appreciate the opportunity to learn with you and to discuss with you. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'd love to take you up on it. Uh, if we can get together at some point in the future, that would be wonderful. Ray, I guess we'll be in touch. Okay, thank you all. Good night, everyone.